Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano, the editor of Golf Course Industry Magazine. This is the third episode in our Disease Discussion podcast series we're producing in partnership with BASF. This episode features a conversation with legendary Rutgers University turfgrass pathologist Dr. Bruce Clark and BASF field representative and former golf course superintendent Paul Romina. On this episode, Dr. Clark and Paul will address anthracnose and summer pad. We'd like to thank BASF for supporting this podcast. BASF is always in the disease discussion with numerous solutions to help superintendents control anthracnose and summer pad. Visit betterturf.basf.us for more information. Now on to our conversation with Dr. Clark and Paul. Well, Dr. Clark and Paul, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate the both of you taking some time to discuss anthracnose and summer patch. And the first question is for Paul. Paul, you were a longtime superintendent in New Jersey. How much of your summer agronomic focus revolved around controlling anthracnose? Well, hey, first and foremost, Guy, it's wonderful to be here with, with you and Dr. Clark. I appreciate uh, you having me on. Um, this is a good topic to talk about where, where we are now in the season. So for me, with anthracnose, it was interesting. Uh, I spent a total of 12 seasons in New Jersey, and I was growing my main grass was bent grass. So for me, it actually wasn't a, a huge um, part of the program, but what was wonderful is that uh, with the chemistries we have, I was able to build a, a, a strong foundation and kept the, uh, kept the turf uh, healthy. So bent grass, not so much, but in New York, when I was there in 2007, a big issue. We definitely have seen over the last, 15, 20 years, a big change. I think uh, at first, for me, it was top of mind. Uh, and dealing with Poa Bank Greens, it was very focused. My program was very focused on it, but it was tough because we had some resistance issues. So we tried to build a program of cultural practices and uh, fertilization um, to build you know, a, a healthier plant. And I know Dr. Clark will probably be talking about that. So New Jersey, not so much as much as when I, when I was in New York. So, Paul, now you get to cover one of the golf-rich areas of the na- nation. You cover the New York metropolitan area. You're visiting a lot of superintendents in that region. How big of a concern is anthracnose among the people you work with now? How much conversation is there about it when you when you get into the tough summer months? Yeah, it's a, a great question, Guy. What's interesting is, like I was saying, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was, uh, wow, you know, it was really coming on strong. We had a mentality back then of the lean and mean, you know, type of philosophy. It was uh, something you're really, really looking at and trying to build uh, up against. But now I would say with what we, where we are with chemistries and, and learning more with the frat codes and the you know, different classes and, and rotating, I think the guys are definitely aware of anthracnose. Um, it's, it's on their radar, but I feel a lot of them can look at it more towards the secondary disease um, when it comes to, you know, conditions. You know, with your program, it's almost like now you're building some strong fertilization programs, some strong fungicide programs, and strong cultural programs. So, it's there for sure, um, and like again, building your 
your programs, I think, is where where uh, all the uh, customers are looking at. Yeah, and Dr. Clark, you've helped hundreds, if not thousands, of superintendents control and learn more about a variety of diseases. But with anthracnose in particular, how much time have you spent with it over the years, and what have you learned about it throughout the course of your career? Probably about half of my career has been spent uh, working on anthracnose. Uh, not alone, obviously. Um, we did a, we've done a lot of work with my colleague, Dr. Jim Murphy, here at Rutgers. And also, this is part of a, a large uh, multi-state research project over the past, uh, over a 10-year period, uh, working with 12 universities, uh, including some universities in, in Canada as well. So we spent a long time working on this. I think we the the upshot is we've been able to develop a very good set of best management practices that I think have been very helpful to superintendents, I hope, and we're improving them, actually still continuing that research today. Where do we see anthracnose? What parts of the country, Dr. Clark, could this become a potential problem for golf course superintendents? This is a problem really wherever the, the, the primary hosts are. The primary host of anthracnose, uh, as uh, Paul mentioned, definitely would be annual bluegrass, very successful host, uh, and also some vents. Uh, particularly some of the older bents, like Pencross and some of the older bents are very successful to anthracnose. Some of the newer, improved bents, a little bit less so, but any uh, of uh, these plants can get the disease if they're under stress. What's the most misunderstood thing about anthracnose, Dr. Clark? That's an interesting question. I think it really, uh, if you go back to when we first started working on this research, uh, back around the, the late 1990s, that's when anthracnose was really becoming a, a tremendous problem. And at that time, everyone thought that the anthracnose was a stress-related disease and a wound-related disease. And probably the biggest misunderstanding there was that it's not a wound-related disease. Um, anything that's done to, to any bluegrass or bentgrass that weakens the turf will translate and enhance anthracnose. But this pathogen does not need you to open the door to let it in. It's very aggressive, and if it's attacking a weakened plant, uh, it gets in just fine without any wounds at all. And that, as I'll talk about a little bit later on, is a key to improving your disease control program. Back to you, Paul. When should a superintendent start thinking about anthracnose control, or is, there, or is it one of those things that should always be on a superintendent's mind? Yeah, that's a great question, guys. You're, you're definitely uh, thinking about anthracnose. You definitely have it on your radar through the season, especially in the summer, you know, you're like, oh, man, did I do everything I needed to do to build this plan up prior to summer and the summer stresses? Um, so you're thinking about it, especially the way I would look at it and the way I talk to even now with customers is when you're developing your programs in the fall or towards the wintertime and you're making sure that you're, uh, you're, you're looking at and going through and covering uh, your, all your bases there. Dr. Clark, what type of conditions make turf susceptible to anthracnose? Well, really anything that weakens turf, but particularly uh, heat stress, drought stress, low mowing stress, and also low fertility. Those are the four major things which really uh, enhance the disease. And out of those, probably, and maybe surprisingly to some, uh, low nitrogen fertility is probably the driving force behind this disease. When did you make that discovery about low nitrogen fertility? Was that something that you had known for years, or is that something that you discovered through more and more research? No, that's definitely been something. The, the fact that low fertility enhances disease is something that we uh, we learned over a period of maybe six or seven years. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. John Inguijado at University of Connecticut was at Rutgers, and uh, as well as some other students, and, and they found very quickly that um, 
whenever we had low fertility in any of our, our research studies, that was always one of the biggest drivers of this disease. So the important thing to realize is that part of the best management program has to involve in enhanced spoon feeding with nitrogen. Dr. Clark, when you're looking at a, a developing a spray program for anthracnose control, what are some keys to de- developing that? What are some of your recommendations with the spray program for anthracnose? Well, not surprisingly, um, you know, our best spray program, we have some very good ones out there, mm-hmm. uh, will not control the disease uh, completely if superintendents are not following good cultural management practices. And therefore, when we talk about BMPs, uh, best management practices, uh, when those BMPs are in place, uh, superintendents will see their fungicide programs become behave much more effectively and the control is more longer term, and it's just better when you're following BMPs. And how about you, Paul? What do you tell the superintendents you work with about developing a comprehensive program for anthracnose control? Yeah, I got to tell you, just uh, like I said, I've been very fortunate to work with Dr. Clark through the years, and that, that's really what it is. You, you know you, you know your property, you, you understand it, you've been there, you kind of work on your programs. You're developing that strong fungicide program. You know, you're, you're working with the cultural practices like rolling and top dressings, trying to relieve the stresses on the plant. And, and like Dr. Clark, Clark said, would be a help, you know, keep, keep the plants healthy. This is a good time to refer to the rotational spray programs provided by BASF and customized for your specific geo region in the country. It's a spray program for the entire calendar year and considers growing season, climate, key diseases, and resistance management. Ask your BASF sales rep or find them at betterturf.basf.us behind the solutions tab. Dr. Clark, what are the consequences if the proper things aren't done when it comes to anthracnose? Well, the consequences are are basically uh, reduced turf quality and and definitely reduced performance, uh, particularly on greens in terms of putting speed. And if they're following best management practices uh, to the letter, they'll get better control. If they only follow part of it, they see reductions in control. So it's sort of like pieces of a puzzle. Uh, every piece of the BMP puzzle you put in place gives you better control and closer to uh, getting excellent control with a good fungicide program. Dr. Clark, superintendents have been shying away from DMIs in recent years in their summer control programs. What are the perils of doing that? Well, I think that's very true, and I think that's a mistake. Um, Superintendents, uh, in general, I think, have been using DMIs uh, just fine in the in the spring and, and in the fall. Uh, but for some reason, uh, many of them have been backing away in the summertime, and I understand why. Uh, some of the older DMIs, um, particularly high rates, short intervals uh, on green site turf, particularly green site annual bluegrass, um, often wind up seeing uh, enhanced uh, phytotoxicity, some yellowing, some browning. And because of that, I think people sort of shot away from the chemistry. Uh, some of the newer chemistry, some of the newer products in the DMI group, particularly a product like Maxima, has been shown uh, to have really no major phytotoxicity. In fact, we worked with that product for six years, have never seen phytotoxicity at even double the label rate at green site in the heat of the summer. And that, that just shows, I think, that you know, utilizing some of the newer DMIs that have less phyto issues is really a benefit and allows superintendents to put DMIs back into their program in the summertime and this reduces the reliance on other chemistries like SDHIs, which are often overused, and it reduces the potential for resistance when you rotate chemistries such as DMIs back into your summer program without the concern of phytotoxicity. Dr. Clark, are you undergoing any current research or 
new research involving anthracnose. Where are we with learning about it here in 2020? Yeah, we're continuing. We, you know, we've been doing this for 20 years, but we're still uh, continuing some very long-term studies. We're doing some pH studies, which are in the ninth year, and that's shown clearly that uh, low pHs below uh, 6.2 or 6.3 will enhance anthracnose. And and we're also looking at the influence of some other nutrients, such as calcium, which only very recently has come up to be uh, to show basically that if you're in a, a calcium deficiency situation. Uh, you can actually get more anthracnose as well. So we're conducting or continuing our research with pH, with calcium, and then finally, uh, we're also continuing some of the work with potassium, which shows that potassium can also reduce that disease. Now let's switch over to the summer patch. We'll get back to anthracnose at the end and where people can learn more about some of the research being done and some other things. But with summer patch, Paul, how often do you see it in your travels and what part of a golf course is most susceptible to it? Yeah, so with summer patch, definitely in, in my travels, I, we talked, especially last year, uh, it was an interesting year, um, really saw some flare-ups in intermediate rough areas, around the greens as well, um, and then if you, you know, in your, in your actual green surface, fairway surfaces as well, but I really last year saw a lot in intermediate. The biggest thing we've always talked about is, is it's in the spring, you know, with preventative fungicide applications when that soil temp is stable around that 64, 65 degree temperature, um, you know, and really start looking at um, your, your different fungicide classes to, to, to uh, get out there on the golf course. But a lot of, you know, so it's really, I've seen it throughout the courses, guy, honestly, like rough, fairway, tee, you know, greens, you know, and uh, you just kind of see it out there going. Dr. Clark, there are a lot of patch diseases out there. I, I was looking at some uh, uh, turf books here in our golf course industry office this morning, and there are various patch diseases. What separates summer patch from some of the other patch diseases that, that can be found in a, on a cool-weather golf course? Well, the main thing would be uh, species. Um, certain mm-hmm. patch diseases, such as pickle patch, primarily on bentgrass. Uh, um, summer patch would obviously be more of a problem on any bluegrass, although it can attack bent when bed is really uh, on the ropes. Um, but primarily time of year, um, summer patch is more of a problem, as the name implies, in the summertime, although infection, as Paul indicated, starts usually when the soil temps get about 65 degrees um, and above. So in the, in the mid-Atlantic states, that's probably somewhere around uh, the second, third week in May, um, whereas take-all patch usually starts up at green up uh, when the soil temperatures are around 40 to, to 50 degrees. And so that disease, the infections start usually uh, in April uh, into May, and you can see symptoms right into the summer. So time of year, uh, soil temperatures, and the hosts that are infected. Now this is for either one of you. What, what should a superintendent be looking for when he or she's out, out scouting? Uh, a lot of our listeners and followers know what to look for when it comes to things like dollar spot and anthracnose. What, what should they be looking for with their own eyes in regards to summer patch development? Uh, well, for me, when I was a super, and it's to look for now, is a classic frog eye pattern. Yeah, basically, when they're scouting for it, um, the frog eye is a, is a giveaway symptom. Uh, the only problem is, unlike dollar spot and some of the foliar diseases, when you see those diseases, you can spray for them, and it grows out pretty quick. By the time, when you wind up seeing uh, breakthroughs in your in your fungicide program, you actually see summer patch, uh, you're you're pretty much planning for the future. You're planning to prevent that from occurring. <laughs> 
Absolutely. We talked about some of the keys for uh, developing a successful program to control anthracnose. Dr. Clark, what, what recommendations do you give with Summer Patch when you're developing a, a program for it? Well, Summer Patch is uh, affected by several factors and therefore uh, monitoring those factors. Um, high pH is one factor. If you possibly can lower pH, our target pH recommendation would be a pH of uh, 6.0. You can do that with acidifying fertilizers. Um, also, you want to make sure you reduce compaction. Compaction is a driving force of this disease, so that's a, a key in uh, controlling it would be to reduce compaction. Uh, and you do this through aerification. The key is, and, and I can't emphasize this enough, you do not want to aerify when you see symptoms in the summertime because when you see symptoms, the roots are pretty well shot. Aerifying through plants that are just trying to hang on there would just push them over the edge. So you want to be aerifying when you don't see symptoms in the cooler weather, spring or fall. And you want to clean off your tines, sterilize them, just clean them off so you don't transfer the disease from, uh, health, from infected turf to healthy turf. This is for either one of you. Uh, there's no way we can make it through a disease discussion podcast without talking about rotating fungicides. How important are rotating products when, when you're talking about anthracnose and summer patch? I mean, rotation is important not only because you want to reduce the potential for resistance to develop, but it's also key for control. Uh, good rotational um, programs uh, will reduce the population of, of both the anthracnose and the summer patch pathogen. Um, there are always multiple isolates on anyone's golf course, and therefore rotating chemistries uh, almost assures you of keeping a population of these various isolates down, whereas repeated use of any product runs the risk of having um, more tolerant isolates uh, predominate, become more of a problem down the road. Yeah, and Paul, what are some uh, recommendations you give with rotations and what superintendents should be doing in terms of switching up their, their products? Percent guy with what uh, Dr. Clark was saying. I can go back to my example when I was in New York and in the golf course, and, you know, we had a big resistance issue. And I'm talking if we were able to get three to five days out of a fungicide. So that, you know, fortunately, with even companies like BASF, we were able to develop and bring out even new chemistries to help us to, um, you know, switch it up, rotate, you know, keep, keep it uh, the way I look at it. You're keeping it fresh, you know, keep it fresh. And, uh, and you got to You got to have that approach. We want to use these products. So we want to, we want to make sure they're still available to use in the, in the, uh, in the um, uh, turf grass system. Dr. Clark, Rutgers has tremendous resources for uh, superintendents, not only in the um, Northeast and the New York City metropolitan area and the Mid-Atlantic, but really all over the country. Where can superintendents go to learn more about, about anthracnose and summer patch? Where, where would you tell them to go? Well, there are a lot of online resources, obviously. Um, some excellent mm. uh, university uh, websites. They can learn a lot. Uh, Rutgers University, Penn State, um, NC State, um, and other programs have, you know, great resources uh, through their websites. Uh, but also, I'll put a pitch in for the the, the compendium of turf grass diseases. Uh, we're actually working on it um, right now in the fourth edition, and uh, this will be uh, a, a brand new uh, update coming out in 2021. And I think that's a great source, an example of a great source of information, new information for the control of any turf grass disease. Yeah, definitely put a pitch in for that. And how exciting 
has that project been, Dr. Clark? When was the last time the compendium was updated? And what have you learned since that last update? Well, this is the fourth edition. Yep. Uh, the, the third edition came out in 2005, so it's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of water gone on the bridge since 2005, a lot of new things we, we've learned. And, and what we're shooting for is about 40% uh, new text, uh, a lot of new uh, pictures as well. And uh, I think superintendents will find this to be a, uh, a really worthwhile resource, something to have on their shelf, and, and also something they want to want to bring with them out on the course when they're trying to identify problems. Yeah, and Rutgers also has a awesome turf diagnostics lab. Dr. Clark, what would you tell a superintendent who may send a sample for some of these things? What guidelines would you give? What can a superintendent do to, to get a sample off to, to the team at Rutgers during during those summer months where these issues may arise? Well, that's, that's a great point because really um, you're only as good as as your information. And, uh, you know, you may, things may look similar to what they've been, been in the past, but unless you're really sure, uh, you're really not controlling these diseases properly. Mm-hmm. So really, I would say uh, making sure you send a sample to diagnostic lab, send a sample early in the week. You don't want to send it to arrive uh, late in the day on Friday or, or over the weekend. It sits in the post office and, the, and or UPS, uh, one of these other, um, you know, sources. And, and it's really not a good idea to do that. You want to send it early in the week. You want to send a sample with some pictures to give uh, the diagnostician a good idea what's going on. And then any diagnostician will tell you, please fill out their diagnostic form. It gives them information such as when the disease symptoms first occurred, what the conditions were like a day or two prior to symptoms. It really helps in the diagnosis. Paul, I mean, superintendents in the New York metropolitan area have a lot of terrific resources like Rutgers University. What resources does BASF offer a superintendent who wants to learn more about these things or control control anthracnose and summer patch? What does BASF offer superintendents? So fortunate um, that we have uh, we have great field reps guys. You know, we have great field reps throughout the country. We have great tech reps. Very fortunate there. Um, we have a wonderful fungicide portfolio. Uh, you can visit www.betterturf.basf.us and to highlight a few for anthracnose and summer patch, you know, we have our Max Pima that we just came out with, uh, new chemistry, it's mefentribluconazole, the DMI, anytime, any turf, any temp. So we're able to use this product throughout the season when in times of uh, the DMIs of the past, it's uh, spring, and, spring and fall, more shoulder months. So we have great fungicides um, that are available. Navicon is the combination of Maxima and uh, Insignia or Strobe. So we have um, all, the, all the products there. And we have Lexicon, which is a, an SDHI Strobe combo for us. And Honor and Trinity is our older DMI that does, like I said, works great in the uh, shoulder season. So we have a lot of resources out there, and, um, you know, we're just a call away as well. Well, Dr. Clark and Paul, this was some great information. I bet when Dr. Clark was visiting Paul on the golf course 13 years ago, or even probably longer than that, you probably – both of you probably never imagined you'd be doing something like a podcast together. So thanks for joining us and thanks for sharing the expertise with all of our listeners and followers. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Yeah, wonderful, Scott. Thank you so much.
That was a great discussion with Dr. Clark and Paul. And before we get going, we want to remind you, you have a team of dedicated experts at BASF available to help with your toughest turf disease challenges. The technical and sales specialists know turf, your business, and the challenges you face daily. Contact your BASF sales representative today to locate the team member in your area. Visit betterturf.basf.us and select the Rep Finder tab. 